Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. My name is DJ Short and I'm back here with my co-host Drew Silva. We are live on Twitch right now, so welcome to our audience there. And if you're listening in podcast form or watching later on YouTube, we're recording Thursday, September 22nd at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. I've seen a couple of Aaron Judge at bats tonight. He's been walked twice, definitely being pitched around by Michael Waka. Not a huge surprise, I guess, but somehow at pretty much every, it seems it's sort of like a Barry Bonds thing where it seems like every pitch that's in the strike zone, he's mashing right now. So I'm not surprised he's getting pitched around. And I mean, Waka's pitching for what could be a pretty substantial contract coming this winter. He's had a good year. Yeah. And I, I never thought he'd reach this stage where he could get one more good contract and so there's a, maybe a little self-preservation going on there. I mean, he's two, you know, just solid starts away from from finishing the season with a, an ERA below 2.75 and, like, you know, a decent enough strikeout rate. He's going to do well for himself this winter. Totally. Yeah, and I, I mean, and if he gives up the home run, he's going to be on videotapes and highlight reels forever. So there is there is some of that. Uh, Mike Bassick, wasn't he the one who gave up the record-setting home run by Bonds? Pretty sure he was. Yeah, is that right? Uh, Pretty sure. Who gave I could up, be wrong, but that's no, no, that, my head. Yeah, no, Former that's, Met. Yeah, Bassett. that's right. Who gave up McGuire's? It was against the Cubs. Uh, man, I don't know it. I feel like I should know it, but I, I don't. Know. Now I'm gonna be thinking about it. It's right, I'm like gonna, it's right at the. It's right on the top of my head. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and look it up at here. Yeah, do it. McGuire Cubs. The, the amazing part of that that scene with McGuire was just because I, I watched um, the highlight reel from that game recently um, was just how happy everyone was on both sides. Everyone hugging and shaking Mark McGuire's hand. It's like an alternate reality that didn't happen yeah. at this point. It is weird that we don't talk about it. Because in the moment, it was amazing and cool. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's uh, uh, ESPN had a good documentary about what was the summer of 98. Yeah. About that whole chase. And yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone was just kind of basking in the moment. Toward the end of that run is when that reporter saw that 
bottle yeah. of Andro in his locker, and that kind of started off all the talk of, of steroids, but people kind of ignored it, and then it became a, a bigger deal that offseason. Oh, the home run was off Steve Traxel. Steve Traxel, that's right. Man, that was right on yeah. the tip of my tongue. I feel like I have another former Met. Yeah. Um, and I think he was at Old Timers Day recently, the Mets Old Timers Day. But um, yeah, the interesting thing, if I remember this correctly, I, we can move past the steroid conversation. But the thing that I remember about that whole situation was like when that reporter raised that with like the Andro, it was almost like everyone was like, how dare you? Yeah, yep, that's exactly the reaction. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny how it how it all turned out and and unfortunate at the same time. But with today's episode, we're kind of winding down the season at this point. So we have a couple more episodes left to go in the regular season. So with today's episode, we're going to talk about some of the biggest fantasy disappointments from this year. And there's a lot of them. Um, So we'll get to quite a few in a minute, both pitchers and hitters here. And, And just so you know, we usually don't include injured players with this type of thing. So you know, there are big expectations from Walker Bueller and Luis Robert and Wander Franco, guys like that. But injuries have played a big part on why they haven't met expectations. Chris Sale in there too, Chris Bryant, guys like that. So we won't really get into those guys. But, you know, players who have performed, who've been on the field for most of the year, but yeah. have underperformed. Before we get to that, though, just a quick reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play. And you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, Major League Baseball, and on the NASCAR circuit and in Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the 49ers and Broncos in our Sunday Night 7 contest. So go ahead and get that NBC Sports Predictor app today. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. So, Drew, I think we'll probably just kind of bounce back and forth through this. Cool. I will I'll let you go first with your first... Uh, Biggest disappointment. Number one, Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not yes. one of my picks. But I mean, also yes, like that. He was definitely uh, the biggest disappointment in fantasy, especially. I think if you, the Padres would agree, to agree on yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, and if you drafted early too, like before the yeah. the lockout was lifted, and he showed up with that broken wrist. Um, but yeah, we didn't we didn't go with 
solely injury related disappointments because those yeah. are easy and obvious, as you said. Um, and the disappointment with Tatis goes well beyond injuries, obviously. Um, anyway, mine, mine's going to be Javier Baez. And I, I feel a little bad that Scott Harris had to answer a bunch of questions about Baez in his introductory press conference to become the Tigers' new president of baseball operations. But, you know, that's the gig. And, and Harris was the assistant GM of the Cubs for a bit and, and the director of baseball operations for them before that, uh, I think going back to 2012. So obviously has that Baez tie-in and said that he hadn't talked to Baez since he left the Cubs. So, um, but yeah, the first year of Baez is blockbuster six-year $140 million contract with Detroit has not gone smoothly at all right now batting 242 with the 283 on base percentage 675 OPS through 538 plate appearances 14 homers nine steals in 132 games his average draft position was 63 this spring on Yahoo and he's barely been among the top 200 players in fantasy production kind of right on that 200 line um, 109th among position players only, just behind Wilmer Flores, you know, mm-hmm. who, who's had a good year but isn't necessarily a fantasy superstar. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah, you, you look at the batted ball data with Baez, still up there in max exit velocity. That's, like, kind of the only red part of his baseball savant profile, um, but has just tailed off in, in everything else. 34th percentile in average exit velocity – average exit velocity, uh, 31st percentile in hard hit percentage, 15th percentile in in weighted on-base average, Uh, a ton of defensive errors too, which, I don't know, kind of makes you concerned. Like, did he get paid and kind of just doesn't care anymore? I hate to put that on any kind of player, but the profile here is just rough. Uh, The raw tools are still there, and he's only 29 years old. Um, but I'm just not sure how much of a rebound we can expect in 2023. He does kind of have these waves in his career. Like, could just go look at his baseball reference page. Good year, bad year, uh, great year, bad year. Uh, but the ceiling, you know, I think the ceiling remains what he did in 2018. And I, you and I, I remember back, called that out. Like, that's probably the best that Javier Baez is ever yeah. going to be. You might see some spikes in homers and speed, but the way he put it all together that year – Um, And that's going back quite a ways now to build that type of ceiling into like any sort of projection moving forward. You know, he should be a little bit better next year. Like it almost almost has to be better next year, uh, but probably pretty far from a top 75 pick and probably not even a top 100 pick, I would imagine. I do wonder, you know, the combination of the contract and just how, how bad that Tigers lineup was. I think he might have been pressing more maybe than he usually would, kind of feeling like he has to do everything for that offense. Um, He actually has his lowest strikeout rate since 2016, Um, but his chase rate is higher than it's it's ever been, which is saying a lot. Um, But I think that probably means he's getting, he's being more aggressive earlier in counts, Um, just trying to do too much of the plate. Maybe that changes. Um, you know, with another year under his belt in Detroit um, and maybe a better supporting cast around him. It can't get any worse mm-hmm. than what it's been this year. But still, it wasn't really hard to see this coming because the downside with Baez is just so clear. But the thing that's weird about Baez's season is that even if the batting average was kind of a moving target, you thought he would at least be like a 20 homer, 20 steal type of player and not even doing that. 
mm-hmm. is really tough to take in fantasy leagues. Yep. Totally so agree. My first one is kind of more surprising one, I think. Whereas Baez, you could maybe see him uh, having a bad year, declining perhaps. But Nick Castellanos, I don't think so. Um, you know, signed that five-year, $100 million contract uh, with the Phillies during the offseason, leaving the Reds behind, which, you know, is a great place to hit, but so is Philly. Um, and, of course, Castellanos hit 34 homers, had a 939 OPS in just 138 games at the Reds last year. Um, this season, he's currently sidelined with an oblique injury, but has been on the field for most of the year, uh, hitting just 265 with 13 home runs and a 702 OPS over 128 games. His OPS plus sits at 96, which is his lowest at any full season in his 10-year career. Huge decreases in terms of hard contact. Uh, His hard hit percentage was in the 79th percentile last year, but this year it's in the 23rd percentile. So a huge drop drop off in terms of quality of contact. So we're not talking about you know, a fluke or anything like that. And then you throw in the bad defense and the Mm -hmm. outfield. He's played some right field while Bryce Harper was sidelined. And he's actually a negative in terms of wins above replacement. So, I mean, he still has four years left on this deal. You know, I think he's going to have some good years in there, but um, certainly, you know, for a player who, you know, I was looking at his uh, ADP on NFC, 58.11 going into opening day. That's pretty rough right there for someone who was a fourth round pick. Yeah. I mean, you at least thought that there was like a safe floor here. Um, yeah. Because he's been pretty consistent throughout his career, like pretty much always above an 800 OPS. He's, you know, sometimes some years he'll hit a lot of doubles and not a ton of homers, but he turned those doubles into homers when he moved to Cincinnati. You thought that would carry over into Philadelphia and that he would be an RBI machine and a run scored machine hitting, you know, wherever second or fifth in that lineup. Um, and it just hasn't happened. I, I'm a little bit worried about that contract too. I, I would, I think he'll probably bounce back in, you know, in, in certain ways, like he's, he's got to be get back to a 20 homer level and, and the RBIs are, are going to be better because he should be in a good lineup still going into next year. Um, yeah, he hitter. traditionally yeah. hits the ball pretty hard too. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is weird to see from him. Uh, maybe it's just one of those things. It's a first season in a media market where he's really under the microscope there in Philadelphia. He actually had a little bit of a spat with a reporter earlier this summer when uh, they were asking if he could hear the fans booing him. And he's like, no, I couldn't hear it. Like, you know, sarcastically. Um, so, I mean, that's part of the deal too, you know, playing in a media market where it's that intense, you know, maybe that's a tough transition. Yeah, well. I guess Detroit, he had a little stint in, in Chicago, north side of Chicago. Cubs fans are usually pretty nice. They're just there to have a good time. And he um, was great there in his limited time. He was. I remember right. yeah. yeah, I mean, the era was really pointing up for him. I I bought into it. I, I thought he was going a little high in drafts, if I can <clears> remember <throat> back. Um, I don't think I have any shares of him. Maybe my teams that didn't do very well and I haven't paid attention <laughs> to in a while. Um <laughs> But yeah, he he certainly has has not been a, a great contributor um, for a fantasy outfielder who really you, you rely on power from him and maybe a little batting average, and he's given you really none of that. Yep. All right, my second guy, and we each picked out five of these. I have some other ones too that we can throw out there at the end. My second one is Ian Anderson. 
Um, and it was hard not to be super high on Ian Anderson this spring. I was all on board, have plenty, had plenty of shares of him. Um, had a 3.25 ERA, 165 strikeouts through his first 160 major league innings between 2020 and 2021. He was awesome in the playoffs both of those years too. 2022 was going to be you know his age 24 seasons. I think all signs pointing to an absolute takeoff, a full-on breakout for Ian Anderson. The fastball changeup combo, the track record in a great situation there in Atlanta with the defending World Series champions. But now he's in the minor leagues, not part of the Braves' playoff plans this year because he suffered a strained oblique while pitching at AAA Gwinnett earlier this month. Had a 5.00 ERA and a 1.51 whip in 22 starts when he was on the major league roster. Poor command, diminished strikeout rate. Spencer Strider has totally leapfrogged him, to say the least. Anderson had a 134 ADP on Yahoo. He was a top 35 starter off the board in a lot of drafts. And beyond the control issues, I don't know, it feels like he probably needs to add like a solid third pitch to the mix or develop you know, third or even fourth pitch. Like maybe other teams sort of figured him out and he couldn't find the zone at times and it all kind of snowballed. Like that's the way that I would diagnose the way Ian Anderson's season went. Um, I'm sure he'll get another crack at a rotation spot next spring, uh, but probably won't be assured of an opening day job given all the pitching that the Braves have and, you know, depending what they do this winter. Uh, but yeah, the the reputation for what Ian Anderson can be and should be is is really kind of turned. Yeah, I think the hype was built up in such a short amount of time with the playoff performance. And I believe he made his debut in the shortened 2020 season yep. as well. So it happened under some some sort of strange circumstances in a small sample. Um, I always question his ability to miss bats, mm-hmm. but then to see the control waiver as well, um, definitely discouraging uh, with him. But I'm sure he'll get another chance, you know, going into next year to win a rotation spot and, you know, could be a late round value if he, if he rounds into form. So something still, to watch yeah. there. Still really young. And if the Braves <clears throat> want to make him like a trade ship too, I'm sure plenty of teams would like to sort of buy low on him. Sure. Uh, so I have a, a, a very, you know, a pitcher who is basically looked at as, as a fringe fantasy ace going into the year, Lucas Giolito. Uh, his ADP on NFC was 42.22 going into opening day this year, but he's really struggled. 507 ERA, 149 whip over 27 starts. Uh, strikeouts down from the past three seasons. His walk rate is up th- up from last year. He's given up a lot in the way of hard contact. Uh, maybe not enough to explain a 351 batting average on balls in play, but certainly a lot uh, compared to previous seasons. Fastball velocity has been down a little bit. Um, and I think maybe one of the more interesting things to see is you look at his slider. So last year, it was a great pitch for him. 173 batting average against the pitch he got the most whiffs on. But this year, opposing batters have hit 290 with a 510 slugging percentage against it. Now gets the most whiffs on his changeup. So that's interesting to see. I, I think we've heard a lot as well with Giolito about as far as when they cut when they started you know, looking a little bit closer about the grip stuff last year, I think it was around June 1st of last year. Yeah. He was one of the pitchers who was affected by that. 
whether there's any carryover to this year, I don't know, but I think this lends a bit more credence to to that possibility. And I don't really know what to to view Giolito uh, with at this point. I think the only thing you can maybe hang your hat on is, yeah, he has that 507 ERA, but there is this BABIP that's 351. You look at the XFIP, it's 365, which is not bad at all. XERA is 442. That's a pretty wide spread there. So which one is the real Giolito? I guess we'll see. But, you know, that at least it looks like he's been somewhat unlucky. Um, but hopefully there's some kind of turnaround with that slider, which was basically an out pitch for him. He's had these little spurts where it's like, okay, he's back. Um, yeah. And like, even if you look at the, you know, game score data, like his, his velocity will spike and he'll, you know, the, the slider will look better. Uh, but then he like, he goes out and gets blown up. He's had a nice September so far. Is he pitching right now or is he, uh, he goes on Friday uh, okay. against the Tigers. That'll get him right. So maybe he finishes yeah. with a strong September and we all, we all feel a little bit better about him going into next year. I, I, I expected him to, I remember talking about him in the spring, like, all right, the strikeout rate is there. Uh, we just need the ERA to be a little better. And you can make excuses for why the ERA was more mediocre than elite. And this year, it's just, there's not much to point to, to, to feel really encouraged about that. He can be like a top end fantasy starter. Um, but, but he surprised us in this, in the past, you know, we've kind of, there's been years where you're like, okay, Giolito doesn't have it. And then he transforms a bit. He's a really smart guy. Yeah, I, I kind of have faith that he's going to figure something out going into 2023. Still relatively young too, right? I think he's like yeah, 28. Um, and nearing free agency, well, he's got one more year of arbitration eligibility, and then so he's he's got a lot of reasons to to tinker with his arsenal and his approach. Um, my third guy is Tyler O'Neill, uh, close to my heart as a Cardinals fan. He he was a top 75 pick everywhere this spring. He was a top 50 guy. On in NFC drafts, I think his ADP there was like 47, 48. Yeah. Um, and, and rightly so, kind of. O'Neill got down ballot MVP votes in 2021 after batting 286 with a 912 OPS, 34 homers, 80 RBIs, 15 stolen bases, 89 runs scored in 138 games. And you could envision that breakout carrying over into 2022 batting right behind Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, who are among the top candidates for NL MVP this year. Uh, but then a big letdown ensues. And this is sort of an injury-related flop in some yeah. ways. O'Neill had a shoulder issue early on. Maybe that has carried over. A lot of hamstring stuff throughout the second half now. And he's on the IL currently with a left hamstring strain. Um, and it seems like anytime he's been flirting with getting it going again, something pops up physically and derails that. Uh, right. the, but the power speed counting stats, you know, they're good. 14 homers, 14 steals in 96 games. That's 162 game pace of 24 homers and 24 steals. Uh, but it's not like we've seen him play anything close to 162 games. Um, the health and inconsistency, I don't know, he has a 700 OPS beyond those counting stats, even when healthy this year. 228 batting average. I'll be willing to, to take a chance late next spring on O'Neill if he falls into like pick number 150 range because he's still going to have that power and speed potential. And because the Cardinals are going to want him to be an everyday outfielder if possible. He's won consecutive gold gloves and left. 
Uh, but there's just there's a there's a wide range of outcomes with this dude, and you know there's going to be risk, and maybe not enough of us not enough of us factor that into our analysis this spring. So with O'Neill, I, I think this one stat kind of tells the tale. So last year, he had a 366 batting average on balls in play. This year, it's 277, mm-hmm. almost a hundred point difference. And there's a quality of contact issue here as well. It's it's down sharply from last year where he was in elite territory. This year, you know, not so much. There's swing and miss in his game too. So there are some flaws here. But that he's done this once, you know, as far as, you know, hitting the ball with authority and like, you know, the, he has the power. We know he has that potential. So I do think there's bounce back potential here. Batting average, I think, is always going to be a risk with him. Mm-hmm. But uh, he does enough across the board to still be – uh, intriguing, I think. Yeah, he. I mean, he had a crazy finish to the season last year when the Cardinals rattled off, I think, 17 straight wins. He was a huge part of that, yeah. and he's kind of been robbed of that this year. So maybe there, he was, he was getting it going toward the end of August. He know? was, yeah. Um, it's just, I don't know. Maybe he'll be back for the playoffs and, and has a big postseason, but hard to really envision it. So next up for me is Josh Hader, and. ADP for him on NFC was 32.93. Um, so you had to spend a third round pick basically to get Josh Hader on your roster in most leagues. And that's understandable if you wanted to go that way. There was only a select group of closers who you felt legitimately safe about going into the year. And, you know, he's earned that reputation, had a one, two, three ERA last season. Uh, one of the most dominant fantasy closers, if not the most dominant. Uh, in fantasy since 2018, but you look at the ERA this year, 5.72 over 51 appearances. Um, really had a nightmare of a time uh, initially after being traded to the Padres at the deadline. He stabilized a bit recently, which has been nice to see. Uh, 1.29 ERA in his last seven appearances. Seven strikeouts, just one walk, which is key because the control was a real issue for him after coming over to San Diego. Also five for five in save chances during that time. Uh, but still, if you look at the season on the whole, eight home runs and 45 and a third innings, it's more than the previous two seasons combined. And that was 77 and two thirds innings over those uh, uh, during that time span. And Hayter still struck out 75 batters and, and 45 and two thirds innings. But his strikeout rate is actually his lowest since he first broke into the league in, in 2017. So still piling up the case, but not uh, not surprising here. That's not missing bats at quite the ridiculous rate that he that we're used to seeing. Um, he does think that he's found his way. He made a bit of a mechanical fix with his delivery, so he thinks he's in a, in a good spot. And I think he's perfectly capable of going back to being that dominant uh, closer at any time. So I do think most likely... You'll be able to get him a couple of rounds later next year, which is maybe the way it should be. I considered putting Rysel Iglesias on on my yeah. disappointments. He was the third closer off the board. It usually went like Hader, Hendricks, Iglesias. And, you know, he was con- Iglesias at least considered an elite fantasy option this spring, but was pretty mediocre in the first half with the Angels now in more of a, a setup role in Atlanta. Uh, but yeah. it, I, I think there might be kind of a turnaround here for him to finish strong because it, it feels like he's, he's probably great gonna, with the Braves. Yeah. He's been he, really good. Yeah, and he's probably going to be their most reliable closer in the playoffs. Um, more like a fireball or they'll, they'll bring him in 
in, in any kind of tight situation, even earlier in the game. And he's locked in through 2025, whereas Kenley Jansen signed a one-year contract. So it's pretty conceivable, maybe even likely, that Rysel Iglesias opens the season as the Braves' closer next year. Yeah, so, I, th- I think you're right. And yeah. even during this postseason here and down the stretch to you know potentially win the division, I don't know if you can really trust Kenley Jansen. He has looked rough for the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. And even when he hangs on for saves recently, it's been really a tightrope act. So I think that's something to watch here as the, as the regular season comes to a close. And that is the only race left, the NL East, I think. Basically, yeah. I, I'm and, well aware of that. <laughs> I mean, because you can look at the NL wildcard standings and be like, oh, the Brewers are – in the hunt, but the Phillies have the tiebreaker over them. So it's really the Brewers are, you know, th- three and a half games back, you yeah. know, and with only like a week and a half to play, I, what was the stat? Like the, this was on Wednesday morning, the Phillies would, if the Phillies just go seven and eight, the rest of the way, the Brewers have to go 10 and four. Now it's probably, mm-hmm. you know, add on another win loss on, on each side there. So, yeah, I think it's, we, we know what our 12 postseason teams are going to be most likely unless the Phillies completely collapse. Phillies are ahead of the Braves one to nothing in the fifth inning right now. And Acuna was scratched from the lineup tonight with a back injury. Yeah. Low, low back issue, I think, or mid back, whatever. Um, and they've had, you know, Ozzy uh, Albies' sideline right now. Again. Um, yeah. Yeah. With the broken pinky, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he may be back, you know, at some point during the playoffs, I guess, but that's, a, that's a big loss for, the Braves, especially, I think they only got him back for like one game. Yep, maybe. Uh, I think it was an maybe it was his second game back that he injured that pinky. But yeah, he's pretty much hasn't played in, since June. Yeah, or July, whatever it was. Um, all right, back to disappointments. Jared Walsh for me. If you're an Angels infielder, you just generally didn't do much this year. Like across the board, Anthony Rendon hurt. And there didn't really seem to be much of a plan for the middle infield spots in Anaheim from the get-go. I don't know, really know what, what they thought they had there. Uh, yeah. Walsh should have been a pretty reliable option, but he went from an 869 OPS with 38 home runs and 124 RBIs in 176 games between 2020 and 2021 to just a 642 OPS with 15 homers and 44 RBIs in 118 games this year and then was diagnosed – with thoracic outlet syndrome at the end of August, had surgery for it. That was probably a lingering thing for Walsh. I, it's more common in pitchers, thoracic he outlet. He used to be a pitcher, right? Yeah, he did. Yep, and it, it usually lingers a while for pitchers, like before it gets diagnosed. Um, you could see how that might have been the case here because I, I have do have many hitters dealt with this. Like I, I feel like I've been writing up injury reports for – 13 years now and i don't remember another yeah, position i mean having it. if it's a small group if if any yeah and i so, can remember so yeah i mean for pitchers it's it's a career threatening condition i'm not sure what to expect with walsh's rehab from it again he did play in 118 games and wasn't very productive uh maybe you can look back at yeah this has maybe this has been an issue for him the good news is he'll have yeah, uh, he had surgery at the end of august so, so six or seven months to make a full recovery and to get back on the right track heading into 2023 should be the angels every day first baseman, but who knows what that team is going to look like moving forward with owner Artie Moreno pursuing a sale of the franchise. Like is a teardown coming? Are they going to trade Otani this winter? Um, A lot up in the air and 
kind of going to have to do a, a reevaluation of Walsh's fantasy stock at some point before next season, see how he's recovering from thoracic outlet, try to determine how that would you know, affect an offensive approach. I'm sure it can affect your swing. Um, but I, I don't know. It's kind of a big question mark on, on what he's going to be going forward. Still pretty young, and I love what he did in, in 2020, 2021. He's a, a guy that I liked to target in the middle rounds this spring as a first baseman as like, he's going to be my first baseman, but uh, didn't really work out if, if you did do that. Walsh struggled against lefties in, in 2021. So there was always that kind of platoon risk with him, but he's even struggled against righties this year, 220 mm-hmm. batting average, 274 on base percentage, 387 slug. And then in the season on the whole strikeout rate up to 30.4%. Like you said, maybe some of that thoracic outlet, you know, explains some of this because he he at least mashed righties. Like we knew he could do that. So um, maybe you give him a partial mulligan for this season. And uh, chances are on draft day next year, you're not going to have to, you know, pay much to find out. So I think that that's at least a positive as yeah. far as a potential bounce back for him. He might go uh, undrafted like in a lot of leagues. Could be. Could be. Uh, so next up for me is Jose Barrios, and he actually pitched Thursday night. Yeah, not good. Uh, six runs in two innings. He actually pre- pitched pretty decent coming into that outing. He had three straight quality starts, um, so it was finishing somewhat strong. But now the ERA for the year up to five two seven. His lowest strikeout percentage since his rookie season in 2016. Uh, gave up a home run tonight, so now 29 homers allowed in 160 and two-thirds innings. The XERA coming into today, into today was 5.20, so it's not like you know, this is a bad luck situation. <laughs> Basically, it matches what his ERA is. And, you know, you see the 326 BABIP against him, and you think maybe there's bad luck involved, uh, but not when you see the quality of contact against him. Coming into play Thursday... Bottom 10th percentile in barrel rate, bottom 12th percentile in hard hit percentage, bottom 14th percentile in average exit velocity. So just all around really frustrating. And there's these little, like I said, you know, the three starts leading into Thursday was pitching a little bit better. I feel like that's happened with Barrios a few times this year. We'll string together a couple of good starts and then just have another disaster outing. And that's the worst place to be in as a fantasy manager when you don't know when you can use that pitcher. It's basically a wasted roster spot when you don't have that trust. He's too good to be this bad. Um, so certainly I, I think he's capable of, of turning it around. Um, but yes, very, very frustrating year for Brios. And ADP, by the way, with him was 76.13 coming into the year. Yeah, I'm seeing he was the 18th starter off the board on Yahoo on average. Who was the biggest disappointment among like the top 15? Well, I mean, Walker Bueller's obvious. Freddie Peralta's obvious. Just those are injury related guys. Yeah. Um, I got Brandon Woodruff compared to where he was drafted. He, he's been fine. That's like picking nits, but he hasn't necessarily been elite. Yeah. Um, other than that, you've kind of, I mean, we've, you kind of hit on everyone other than those yeah. three names. If you, if you drafted someone high, Logan Webb, I guess, hasn't been like a superstar, but he's been fine too. He's been fine. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of throw him in the Woodruff category. 
but yeah, we did okay as as fantasy analysts, I guess, this spring with the starting pitchers. Um, my other guy is going to be Whit Merrifield, um, and his tenure in KC sure ended with a whimper. Um, he was the 31st overall pick in the average Yahoo draft this spring, and right now ranks as the 126th position player in fantasy scoring. That's behind Jazz Chisholm, who wound up appearing in only 60 games this season for the Marlins. It gives you an idea of how ugly it has been for Merrifield. He's batted 233 with a 622 OPS in 503 plate appearances between the Royals and Blue Jays. Got traded to Toronto at the deadline in what was really sort of a minor move at the time, considering what Merrifield's reputation had been coming into the year as like a super reliable and versatile and durable speedster. Um, he's been more of a super utility man for the for the Jays, offering very little offensive production. He's been even worse since that trade, actually. Um, just one stolen base since the move. 16 huh. steals in 126 total games this year. Now pushing toward age 34. Next year will be his age 34 season with falling sprint speed uh, readings. He's under contract with Toronto for $2.75 million in 2023. So you kind of wonder what they do there. That's a tradable contract, but do they want to keep him for a super utility role and hope that he bounces back? He's pretty valuable just that he can play pretty much anywhere on the diamond except maybe like shortstop. Um, a trade might be the only thing that like resuscitate, resuscitates his fantasy value. He's like the sort of the dude that you need playing every day to get those stolen bases but does yeah. the offensive profile at this point in his career justify an everyday role on a contending team? I think probably not. Yeah. Um, so just like a major fall from grace, I wonder where he even goes in drafts next spring. We'll have to see who he's playing for, what the situation is. But he's, I don't know, he, he had a nice run there of being a top 50 pick every year. And that's certainly over. I don't, I don't even, I don't think he's top 100, top no. 150 even. No, I don't think so either. And I think what made, his time in Kansas City um, so valuable was that he was always at the top of the lineup. So mm -hmm. he got that volume. There were a couple of years because he was kind of like an Iron Man. Like he played every day for yeah. like three plus years, maybe, um, where he led the league in plate appearances. Um, so just having that volume, his counting stats looked a lot better. Whereas he's really not as valuable in real life as he is in, in fantasy because yeah. we get those you know, run scored, stolen bases, just opportunities to rack up hits. So, you know, if he's hitting lower in the order that, you know, I'm worried about his ability to to really be all that valuable in fantasy leagues. And you see the batting average on balls in play this year is 262. First time under 295 in his career. The speed is still there. It's there, but it's, you can see it kind of coming down. Yeah. Um, so with his speed, I think he's capable again and back, you know, kind of around that 300 level. He doesn't hit the ball hard. So, but you're, yeah, I mean, you're right. He, he's a guy that relies on the right situation and yeah, I, there's like no way to guarantee that he's going to have the right situation. Unless Not they, on a good team. If they trade you know? him to the A's or something like, okay, <laughs> I could see that. I, but I why would the that. A's want to do that? Or maybe yeah, to flip uh -huh. him at the deadline, maybe to give him 300 at bats before the deadline and, and he'll have nice numbers again. I don't, maybe that could work. But, yeah, he probably needs to get out of Toronto if, if he's going to be valuable in fantasy next year. So uh, the last one for me is J.D. Martinez. Uh, his ADP coming into the season was 86.87. 
Um, so you're looking at a sixth, seventh round pick, depending on the type of league you're in. If you remember, he struggled in that pandemic season. Seven home runs, 680 OPS, but bounced back last year. Uh, maybe not, you know, peak J.D. Martinez, but still very productive. 287, 28 homers, 867 OPS, but he's dropped off again this year. He's hitting 271, so that's not a problem. But um, actually, if you go by OPS plus, he's at 114. So he's been an above average hitter, but he's amassed just 12 home runs and 55 RBIs over 127 games. Barring a late season surge, we're talking about his lowest home run total since his final season in Houston in 2013. He had seven home runs in 86 games uh, that season. Uh, Turned 35 years old in August, so you know maybe you worry about him slowing down a little bit as he gets into his mid-30s. What's interesting about Martinez, though, his barrel rate, which is very high, it's in the 88th percentile, right in line with where he was last year, but he's seen a drop-off with his hard hit rate, um, average exit velocity especially. Uh, He's averaging 89 miles per hour this season, which is 50th percentile. He was in the 90th percentile in that area last season. Uh, XBA at 262, basically matching up with where he is right now. Um, And I think the most alarming thing about Martinez is the risk of him being a part-time platoon DH. So Mm. 995 OPS against lefties this year, 714 against righties. I think that's something to watch, um, you know, as his career continues here. Yeah, he was – I remember his complaints during the pandemic season was they didn't have access to the video room. And he was a guy – he's a – I I think he was mentioned in the Swing Kings book that we talked about. Um, because he really studies his swing, and so not having access to that, that there's that excuse isn't really there that this year because they have like tablets on the bench now. Um, yeah. and you see guys combing through those, so yeah, I don't know. I, I looked through a few other guys. I mentioned Rysel Iglesias. Couldn't really justify putting him on there because I think he's going to be fine moving forward. Cody Bellinger, I, I was considering, but I, was, I don't want to talk about Cody Bellinger. Like <laughs> you knew the risks going in with him. And he's probably going to do something awesome in the playoffs this year, and then people are going to find reasons to love him again. I don't know. Trent Grisham, I guess Trent Grisham is just not a thing anymore. He's kind of become a bench player now for the Padres. Definitely a big platoon guy. He's he's batting just 189 overall. Has a career-high 17 homers. Um, but he's, he's not going to be probably the 2020 guy that we thought in the early part of his career unless he gets moved into a different situation. Jonathan India. Um, that's a little bit injury related. And we, we knew there probably wasn't going to be a huge jump from what he did to win NL rookie of the year in 2021, but he felt safer than what he's been. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Miles straw got off to a great start with stolen bases, but just has not hit at all. And I don't think he's going to be an everyday outfielder much longer. Um, man, you remember, Adel- Soto. yeah. <laughs> you remember Adalberto Mondesi too? Yeah, true. I mean, we knew the risk there too, Yeah, but people still went for it. Um, Salvador Perez, I think is another one. He's Um, had a nice finish. He's, he's been good when healthy. Yeah. I mean, the batting average, not great. You know, the counting stats are fine for a catcher though, but uh, I think just set the bar so high for himself last year that it, I mean, it was really easy to see that being the peak, Yeah, you know, but I think a lot of people fell into that. 
Um, I wouldn't JT say JT Real Muto has been awesome, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, Adley Rushman's been great since he yep. came up. Um, he was drafted in a lot of leagues because there was the anticipation that he'd be up pretty early in the season. Mm-hmm. I think he was drafted as a top 10 catcher in, in, in some leagues. I took him in Tout Wars, I think, I think in the 10th round. And it's been good here in the second half, but... Um, yeah, it was a long wait for for Rushman, but you know, I do think the catcher yeah. position is is not terrible. Going Dalton Varsho has been quietly awesome too. Like, yeah, you know, they, they can poke holes in his game for sure. Like, he doesn't get on base enough, but twenty six homers. I think he's up to twelve steals now. Yeah, that's exactly what you wanted, right? From a catcher eligible guy, that's super valuable. Yeah. Yasmani Grandal has been disappointing. Yes, for sure. I think a lot of us probably saw that not that the OBP would drop off as much as it has though. Like he's completely fallen flat in every category. Yep. So uh, that will wrap things up here as far as, as disappointments next week, we'll get into biggest fantasy surprises um, from this season, but to f- close things out here, we're each going to recommend a streaming starting pitcher. I'm going to go with Adrian Sampson um, gets the Cubs this week. It gets the pirates this weekend. Um, I believe on Sunday, and Samson is, you know, another one of these pitchers for the Cubs. And the Cubs have quietly in the second half, their starters have been really, really good. Uh, I saw that recently with the Mets playing the Cubs. Um, their starters have been really, really uh, effective here in the second half. I think they have the second lowest starter ERA here in the second half, uh, at least as of a couple of days ago. But Samson has a 3.35 ERA um, this year and, and just over 88 innings. Um had a nice matchup against the Marlins last time out. Um, six innings of one run ball. Um, it's just been really solid. Um, not really a strikeout guy, but you know, he throws strikes. You love the matchup there against the pirates, a team that does have a lot of swing and miss. They're pretty aggressive. So I think, uh, I think the Cubs can walk away with a win here and, um, he's a great matchup. If you need a extra win in your fantasy matchup. Uh, I saw Domingo Herman stood out. He's, he's got a Saturday kind of spot start against the Red Sox. They had demoted him to the bullpen for a bit, uh, but need him to handle this one. He was, I don't know, his roster percentage was 21% last time I checked. It's probably risen since then as people that are playing in fantasy championships look for some options. Um, this He's he's kind of, yeah, he's, he's worked as sort of a swing man, but this is expected to be a fairly traditional start. And he's posted a 3.12 ERA, 1.145 whip, and 41 to 14 strikeout to walk ratio in 57 innings since he returned from that shoulder impingement back in July. Uh, so I, I would target him if he's out there. Aaron Ashby is at 11% roster last time I looked, and he's got the Reds on Sunday. Um, and he's he's back from the injured list, and that's a, a very gettable Reds team. It's at Great American Ballpark, but it's a must-win game for the Brewers. And and Ashby is he's got the stuff to be good. He just kind of cratered there right after he signed that new contract extension with Milwaukee. But back from the IL now and looking a little fresher. So Samson is rostered in just thirteen percent of Yahoo leagues. Forgot to mention that. So chances are he's he's still out there uh, in your league. I did grab him in one league uh, earlier today. So definitely. Uh, check and see if he's on your waiver wire. Again, we'll be back next week to talk about uh, biggest fantasy surprises, a little bit more uplifting conversation, hopefully next week. (laughs) If you like what you're hearing with the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, 
please rate and review five stars. Always appreciated. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silv. Take care, everyone. We will see you next week. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. It's one thing falling in love with a house. Picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.